Uh, the only reason that these two men can serve the church is because of their honor and the difference that the Lord has made in their life. Uh, and so they honor the Lord by their service to us, uh, and to our church. And so uh, we're going to look at uh, Commandments 3 and 4 this morning. We looked at 1 and 2 last week. Um, and this morning we're going to look at 3 and 4. So this is what verse 7 says. It says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Both of these commandments are certainly foreign in our society today. Uh, Our world uh, today is becoming more and more anti-God than it is for God, and it's um, getting harder and harder to be uh, a person of faith. By the way, though, that doesn't mean that we just check our faith and say, well, I'm going to give up on it. Uh, It's interesting to me, anyway, that the places around the world where the church is growing the fastest and the most, are in those countries where believers are persecuted, where it's illegal to be a Christian. And yet those are the places the church is growing the fastest, despite that persecution, because in those places, if you're going to be a Christ follower, you really have to mean it. You can't do it halfway. Well, still here in America, it's kind of socially acceptable, if not expected in some places, to belong to a church. Yet it is one thing to say that you're a Christian, that you're a God follower, and quite another thing to be one. And that's really what both of these commandments are about. We often think of this third commandment, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, as saying that you shouldn't cuss. And you certainly shouldn't use the Lord's name as a cuss word. And you certainly should not do that. We should honor and revere the Lord. But that is not what this commandment is about. Taking the name of the Lord in vain is the idea of saying that you belong to the Lord. When you don't, or giving God credit for something that he didn't tell, or saying, you know, God told me that I needed to do this. When it wasn't the Lord, it might have been yourself, or it might have been the devil. That is taking the name of the Lord in vain, or attributing works of evil to God. Because God does not do evil. He cannot sin, the Bible says. And so when we attribute God... Uh, being responsible for those things, the truth of the matter is we're taking the name of the Lord in vain. When we say that, yeah, I'm a Christian, but then we live like the devil and with the devil and cozied up to the devil Monday through Saturday, 
We take the name of the Lord in vain. It is not just in watching your mouth and having clean language. It's about having a clean heart and clean hands. And the Lord expects us, by the way, Jesus said, and I reminded us last week, I'll probably remind us every week as we talk about these commandments. Jesus said that he did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And a lot of people say, well, preacher, why do we have to be concerned about the Ten Commandments in 2018? After all, Jesus died and we're under grace. And yes, we are. Thank God we are. That is a wonderful thing. But being under grace does not mean we have a license to sin. It does not mean that we can just do what we want to as long as we, you know, put a fish decal on our car or wear a cross around our neck. God's not impressed by those things. He says, if you're going to serve me, I want you to mean it and I want you to live it. And so both of these commandments call us to honor the Lord in word and in deed. Jesus said it in the Gospels this way. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, he's not saying that we, when we go to court, we shouldn't put our hand on the Bible and raise our hands, you know, uh, swear to tell the truth. That's not Jesus was, the point Jesus was making is when you walk into a courtroom and you say something, people shouldn't have to, have you pledged that you're telling the truth. They should just know by the way that you live your life that when you say something, it is the truth. There should not be any doubt in anyone that knows you's mind if you belong to God or whether you don't. And by the way, if people do have to wonder, if you say, you know, I don't know if that person is a Christian or not, more than likely the answer is they're not, or if they are, they're backslidden, and they're not living for the Lord. Because when someone is living for God and there's a relationship, you can tell it. There's a, a not only this Holy Spirit connection that binds believers together, well, there's this, this family resemblance and belonging to one another. But you can look at their life and you can see, you know what, there's something different about the way they behave. There's something different about the way they talk. There's something about the way they keep their promises. There's something different. And friends, now none of us are perfect. None of us are sinless this side of heaven. But can I tell you that if you're a child of God, people certainly should be able to tell it. And they should know. They should know because of how you live and how you talk and the things that you talk about. If you really love the Lord, you talk about Him. Every one of you that's a grandparent here today, you love those grandchildren more than your own children sometimes, it seems. Probably because they're, those grandchildren are a little sweeter than your kids were. But Did I say that out loud? But listen, you, you know that anytime anybody gets around a grandma, you know what the conversation, no matter what the conversation started to be about, eventually, before you leave, you know what you're going to hear? <laughs> Let me show you some pictures. 
Do you know what my little darling did last week? Can't help it. Why? Because you love those grandkids. And you love those children. You love your friends. You love your, your... And you talk about them. Well, guess what? If you love the Lord, you're not ashamed to talk about Him either. You're not embarrassed to, to say, you know what, I'm not going to go to that place because it would dishonor my Lord, or I'm not going to participate in that activity because it would dishonor my Lord. And so people should know by the way that we talk and the way that we live that we belong to Him. We are not saved by the things that we do. We are not saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. In fact, Paul tells us the only thing the law, including the Ten Commandments, can do, shows we can't do it. Just that we can't keep it. That we are sinners. That's the only thing the law is there for, and by, uh, to, to point out when we've done wrong. But it also reveals to us the expectations, those moral expectations that God has for those that say they belong to Him. And so, just three important things about how we honor the Lord. And the first is this. We honor the Lord by our words. Just three of you, I've kind of already rehashed it. Uh, we'll rehash it again. Our word, how we talk should honor the Lord. The things we talk about should honor the Lord. I'm impressed uh, at some, uh, you know, yesterday there were some football games on television. Uh, a lot of times when those big coaches get on television, say, oh, yeah, I'm the greatest coach. You know, they, they come across like they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And they're just full of themselves. But then there are a few, and I tend to admire these ones, that say that talk about the Lord. Do they talk about football? Yeah, they do talk about football. And by the way, I think the Lord loves a good football game. But what the Lord does not love is when we're more concerned about football games than we are about Him and His work and His church. And so He says... And that goes back to that those first two commandments, have, having other gods. Football can certainly become a god. Deer hunting can become a god. We're fixing to hit deer hunting season. Anything can be a god. And by the way, I think not only does God like a foot, I think if Jesus was here, he would enjoy a good deer hunt. He probably would not ever miss when he shot. And yet when those things, so those things aren't necessarily bad, but you know what? We can use those things to talk about the Lord. When you have a hunting buddy, you're out there in the woods, sitting. guess what? You've got a captive audience. You're waiting for that deer to show up. You're up in a deer stand, a deer blind. You're, you're somewhere together. What a great opportunity to talk about the Lord. Because they can't go nowhere. And they're probably not going to shoot you to shut you up because then they'd have to carry you out. 
So you've got a captive audience. So whatever we do in our you know in our work, we can use our work to glorify God. And we need to look for opportunities. And by the way, when we look for opportunities to talk about God, guess what happens? God gives us opportunity to talk about Him. And friends, we should be able to talk about God just as easily as we talk about our spouse or our children or our grandchildren. Not be embarrassed about it. So we honor the Lord by our word. We honor the Lord, secondly, by our works. We are not saved by our works, but we honor the Lord by our works. He said, hey, listen, I want you to, to notice something. He says, I want you to honor me in how you live your life. Can I tell you something, church? How you live your life on Friday evening and Saturday evening say a lot more about you and your relationship with God than what you do on Sunday morning. I'm thankful you're here today. I know I'm preaching to the choir. But just because you show up on Sunday morning does not mean your heart's right with the Lord. And if you've lived like the devil Monday through Saturday, don't expect the Lord to give out and shower his blessings on Sunday morning just because you decide to get up, take a shower, and come to church. God wants us all the time. I've heard it put this way kind of as a, as a cliche that God does not want part-time visits. He wants full custody. In fact, he just doesn't want full custody. He demands it. He says, if you're going to be mine, you're going to be all mine. You're going to be all in. And so we honor the Lord by how we work. And keeping the say, he said, listen, the Lord worked hard on six days. And he made a lot of stuff and some pretty cool stuff. We would all agree with that. Made things better than you and I can make, I guarantee you that. And when he made those things, he looked at him and said, that's good. He pronounced it good. But then on the seventh day, he rested. Did, was he tired? No. He's God. He doesn't get tired. He's all-powerful and all-knowing and everywhere present. He doesn't get tired like you and I do. So it wasn't because he needed a nap. It was because he understood and to set an example for us of how important it is to take time to rest and how important it is to take time to, to worship and how we give honor and glory to God by what we do with our hands, what we do with our vocation, what we do with our life should honor the Lord. Paul put it this way. He said in Colossians, whatever your hand finds to do it, do it as unto the Lord not unto man. So when uh, Leslie is teaching that gaggle of fourth graders, math and science, and uh, she's not teaching for herself. She's certainly not teaching for the paycheck. 
She's teaching because the Lord's... And can I tell you, that's, that has saved the life of a fourth grader or two over the years. And that's just, she, she wants to knock... My mother always threatened to knock me and my brother to Timbuktu. And growing up, we didn't know where Timbuktu was, but we knew we didn't want to go there. And we didn't doubt Mom had the strength and power to send us there. She's a grandma now, so... She, you know, she's forgotten about Timbuktu, but uh, that God has that kind of power. That God wants us to honor Him with our life and our livelihood. And so that when we, no matter what we do, whether it's teaching or working at a business or whether it's retired, some of you, in fact, most of you are retired. What I know about retired folks is you have more on your plate than you did when you were working from 8 to 5 every day. You have more stuff to do, but can I tell you, you still honor the Lord in what you do. You maybe don't punch a time clock anymore, but you certainly have work for the Lord to do. You certainly have work on your to-do list around the house and around the community and things like that. You have plenty to do. And so as you go about doing those things, whatever it is, do it in a way that honors the Lord. And by the way, the way that honors the Lord is that you do things the right way and that you do it to your very best. When you do something sloppy or do it just because you have to, you don't really put your whole heart in it, do you? God doesn't want half-hearted. He wants your very best. Not just on Sunday, but every single day in everything you do. And so when you give your very best, it honors the Lord. And people see that, hey, that person does their very best. And they are talking about the Lord and, and they're concerned about how they live for the Lord. That speaks more volumes to them about God and, and Jesus Christ and the relationship that they need with him than any sermon that I could ever preach does. But then he also reminds us here with this fourth commandment that we honor the Lord by our worship. Not only by our words and our work through the week, but through our worship. God tells us that we're to keep the Sabbath, that we're to rest. But not only was the Sabbath day a day of rest, it started on Friday when the sun went down. And it lasted all the way until sundown on Saturday. Not only could the the Jews not do any work, their servants couldn't do any work, those visiting their house couldn't do any work, even the cows couldn't do any work. Why did the Lord say that? Because the Lord knew, he, and he was very serious, that, and wanted to know how serious it was that we took time out, not only for our bodies to rest, but for our soul, for our spirit to worship. Can I tell you that we all need, no matter how spiritual you may think you are, we all need regular battery recharges, if you will, spirit recharges. 
And yes, we can talk to the Lord anywhere, and we can read our Bible, and we can pray, we can sing worship, we can listen to podcasts and different things, the sermons. But there is something about when God's people gather together. And by the way, we just preached through Hebrews, and you remember Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the practice of the lukewarm believers. Now, that's not what he said. He said, as it's the practice of the heathen, those that don't know God. And so the right Hebrews remind, hey, listen, if we say that we are God's people, if we say I belong to Christ and Christ has saved me and he's redeemed me and he's made me new, then we ought to worship with God's people on a regular basis. Not because God needs it, but because we do. You need that regular time and fellowship with other believers. But can I tell you also, those other believers need you. Your smile, or maybe even just your presence, might be the encouragement somebody needs in their their walk with the Lord. A kind word or handshake or a I love you may just be the thing that helps kind of spur them on and, and gives them a full bet and helps them say, you know what, I can carry on. I can make it through this thing. Because the truth of the matter is there's not one of us strong enough to make it through this life by ourselves. We need the Lord every day and we need one another every day. And that's just the truth of the matter. And God knows that and understands that. And so he says, you know what? I want you to live for me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then I want you to come together one day a week. And I want you to share the com- with the community, with others, that what I've done in their life. People notice our parking lot out here on Sunday. They may not ever stop by a church, but they see, that, hey, there's a church there. People drive by up and down here. They probably don't notice through the week because the parking lot's empty. There's nothing to grab their attention, but your car's there this morning. And so when they drive by, they notice it. Your neighbors notice, hey, it's Sunday. Joe's still, his car's in the driveway. Sunday morning. They may not come, but can I tell you that they know when church time is? And they notice whether you're there or not. And that also speaks volumes to them. Say, well, if church isn't important for them to go, they say, but why should I even want to consider the Lord? And so, friends, God calls us in these four commandments to live for him and live with him. The God of the universe that created the heavens and the earth, everything that we see and created us. says, you know what? I want to spend time with them. God looks forward to our praise and our worship corporately and individually as well. 
And it's amazing that, and it's only God that can do it, has time and hears every one of our prayers. He hears all the worship of all the churches around the world that are worshiping Him, singing praises to Him. That those enter the, the throne room of heaven, God hears those things. Can I remind us, friends... The Ten Commandments remind us what God expects of us. He expects us to live differently than those that don't know Him. And He uses the differences, those ways that we honor the Lord that we talked about this morning, our words and our work and our worship, as evangelism tools, if you will, as a witness to the lost. Some do not receive the message. They reject it. In fact, some are right, downright hostile to that message. But some, and friends, it doesn't matter how few it might be, but some hear that message through your words and through your lives and your work and through your worship. And they say, you know what? There's something that's changed that person's life. There's something they have that I don't have. And they begin to ask questions. And they search things out. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that if we seek the Lord, we'll find Him. And I tell you that God may be using your words and your work and your worship to help others begin to seek and find the Lord. You may think, well, I'm not called to be a preacher. I'm not called to be an evangelist. But you may have a small part. God may use you to win someone to the Lord. It was a shoe salesman that worked at a department store in Chicago that began a relationship with a young man witnessed to him, and led that young man to the Lord. Nobody will remember unless I told you the salesman's name. But even if I told you, you wouldn't know who he was. But you probably would recognize the name of that young man that he won to the Lord, D.L. Moody, who became one of the greatest evangelists of the 20th century. And so no matter how insignificant you think your work may be, and how small the part you might play in God's work, know that God is using you. And when you honor the Lord in your work and in deed, in, in, in word and in deed, you are planting gospel seeds. Sometimes you may get to harvest some of those seeds. But you rest assured that as you live for the Lord, He will use you to bring others to Him. But not only that, but He will bring you closer to Him. I tell you, the more that you love someone, the more you live with them, they, they, you know, the more you can... David and Tiffany sometimes just have a look. And they know what the others think. They don't even need to speak a word. Sometimes David's 
saying something, Tiffany can finish his sentences. Well, they can do it because they've been married for a long time. Arthur and Danny have been just celebrated their 50-something. Wait, 51st. They can do that. Why? Because they've known each other a long time, and they've been around each other a long time. They say couples start looking like one another. Uh, after a while, Tiffany better watch out. Uh, for <laughs> I'm just teasing. Friends, the thing is, as we live for the Lord and we walk with Him, God intends for us to start looking like Him. Then when people see us, they say, there goes Jesus. Because they've seen us. But it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by us honoring the Lord in word and in deed. Not just by talking about the Lord, but by living for Him. And so I hope God will encourage us with that this morning. Let's stand together and uh, pray together this morning. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, thank you for the difference and the change that you've made in our life. And Lord, if there's one here today that hasn't ever received you, they've never trusted in you, and the free gift of salvation that you offer to whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord, would you help them today to call upon you? To say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I deserve to spend eternity in hell, but I know your love and your grace paid my sin debt and I received that gift today. Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today that they've named you, but, Lord, they've not been living for you. Would you help them today to recommit their life to you that from this moment forward that when people look at them, they're going to see you? Lord, help us, we pray, to be your hands and feet. Help us to honor you in all that we say and do. Every single day, not just on Sunday morning. Lord, forgive us when we fail you and help us, Lord, to live for you, we pray in Jesus' name. Friend, we're going to say this morning, if God spoke into your heart and there's a decision.